now, right now. Step right up. The show's about to start. Right now. Right now. All right, welcome to episode 74 of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone, which is installment 19 of Iron Maiden Stories. This week, I have another cool guest who has a certain uniqueness that no one else has had so far, and you will see why in just a little bit. That said, every Iron Maiden story is unique and cool in its own way for sure. If you think these stories are great to hear, then you should consider emailing me your story. Yes, you. Email me your story at ironmaidenpodcast at gmail.com, and maybe one day you and many others will be listening to your Iron Maiden story right here. Come on, man. Do it. Right. Well, last week I released the very popular episode, installment two of Somewhere Back in Time with Iron Maiden, which was hosted by my friend Lord Andrew of Sussex. I was the co-host that week because he does all the research. He gets everything together and he does a phenomenal job. He really loves history and he really loves Iron Maiden. And those two things come together perfectly. (laughs) I hope that you enjoyed it. If you haven't heard it, you are missing out. So that episode was shared by my buddy Andy, the Sassanac in Scotland, Reggie Oz in Melbourne, Australia, the Liverpool Scousers, Stephanie Jane Gray and Don McIntyre, Alejandra in Italy, the Metal Chat Podcast in Boston, Massachusetts. Of course, it was shared by Lord Andrew of Sussex, who lives and resides in Australia, and by my friend Luis Mariano in Venezuela. Now, I've got to say something about Luis. If you don't know, he is the one that set me up to talk with Castro, uh, which was a special episode I put out on Friday, uh, the Benefit 
for the Beast. And it's about Paul Diano and how they're trying to raise money for his knee surgeries. But anyway, he got me in touch with Castro to get that set up. He also helped me with getting in touch with Dennis Stratton. And all in all, um, the episode with Castro, the episode with Dennis Stratton, and the episode with Blaze Bailey. He was a rock that I leaned on for help with questions because, as you may or may not know, he has put together two Iron Maiden books. So he has a wealth of knowledge about Iron Maiden, much, much more than me. He has been super helpful because he knows so much more about them. I mean, minute details. He knows so much. Well, on Wednesday, April 7th, everything changed for Luis and his wife. They welcomed into this world twins a boy and a girl, and as of right now, as of then, they are doing well, as is Mama. Daddy isn't getting as much sleep as he'd like, I think, but after a bit of time, I sent him a message. I checked on him, and everything's good, but I sent him a message that said this. I said, you know how you always answer questions regarding Iron Maiden because you know more? And he's like, yeah. I said, <laughs> Well, if you have any parenting questions, feel free to ask because I know more about that. Ha, finally something I know more about than Luis. <laughs> so um, thank you to Luis for all his help, but more so congratulations to you and your wife on the successful birth of two healthy twin babies, boy and a girl. So congratulations again, sir. Let's get on with the show now. Welcome to Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. I'm doing another installment of Iron Maiden Stories, and this one is a bit more unique than any other one that I have done so far. I actually have a musician, a professional musician on the line. He's out of Nashville named Chris. How are you doing, sir? Doing great, man. Awesome. Awesome. I'm, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, you just got in touch with me in the last couple of weeks here. I, I, don't, did you, I guess you may have heard the Dennis Stratton thing or something, but... Um, uh, yeah, I kind of st I, st I stumbled upon that. So yeah, that's how. Cool, I cool. Yeah, I was. You said you like, oh, we're in. A, I do a like a maiden tribute band, and we do all this stuff, and then, and, and you know, as a fan, you kind of go, okay, well, it, maiden is not the easiest band to cover because they're pretty. At least as a non musician, they're pretty intricate, and so I'm like, and he, and you had sent me a bunch of videos and different things, and I'm kind of like, okay, well, let's let's check it out, and I listen, and I'm just like whoa, this is, yeah, these guys aren't playing around. This is some serious stuff. This is good, but man, it was awesome. So, um, thanks. But, um, yeah, I was like, Hey, do you, you know, you said you wanted to maybe talk and I was like, yeah, let's, would you be interested in doing a maiden story with me? And I'd kind of explained it and you were like, yeah, so, so we'll get straight into it. Um, how, okay. Before maiden came along in your life, uh, what type of music were you listening to? Uh, kiss, uh, 
Yeah, I, I was, uh, you know, I, that's the reason I started playing guitar. Um, okay. So yeah, I was a big Kiss fan and just anything kind of in, in the hard rock vein. I mean, actually, I listened to a lot of different things. I kind of grew up on classical music and, you know, AM radio in the 70s and uh, stuff and listened to a lot of, you know, what was considered pop back then, which was like Elton John and Billy Joel and that kind of thing, too. Okay. Um, just always liked all kinds of different music, but I always leaned more towards the the melodic, heavier stuff. Okay. So Kiss was the first, were they the, they were, uh, so it sounds like they were the first band where you were listening and, and it kind of really resonated with you that that style of music was kind of the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So when, when did you get into Kiss where it, was it in the seventies or was it eighties or what? Uh, it was a seventies. It, it's kind of funny actually, because the very first time I saw Kiss was when they were on the Paul Lind Halloween special. Okay. And my, my immediate reaction was, Ooh, look at them. They're probably a bunch of drug freaks. These guys are horrible. <laughs> And yeah. And then like a year later, I thought they were the greatest thing on earth. So, right. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. I kiss was the gateway band for me as well. I, I, but I didn't come along until like animalize in the mid eighties. So, but either way, I guess, I guess you got to get in there somehow. So, yeah. Um, so when did you first hear? Okay. Cause that would have been 70. So when did you first hear maiden? Um, I first heard of the band, uh, my singer at the time, he used to hang out this record store and the guy used to give him all kinds of free stuff. And he gave him a, an Iron Maiden killers button and he, he had on his jacket. And I just thought, wow, that's really cool looking, you know, I yeah. might have to check this band out. And then like a couple weeks later, a buddy of mine had bought the album and he said, Chris, you got to come over here, this band. And so I came over and, uh, you know, he put on the first track killers, which starts off with the bass. And I just like flipped out, you know, I couldn't believe like bass was dominating these rock songs. Cause you really, you really didn't hear that much, you know, it was yeah. usually guitar oriented stuff. Um, yeah. So I totally like flipped out. And then, you know, you hear those, those harmonics come in where they're kind of running up the neck doing the harmonics on killers and the screams and stuff. And I just thought it was like really cool. And he's like, Oh yeah, they're playing in Dayton, Ohio next month. Uh, they're there or next week. They're opening up for Judas priest. And I was living in Cincinnati is where I grew up and Dayton is about an hour away. So I, um, I was like, Oh my God, I got to go. So I kept asking around and finally found two guys who I really didn't even know and wrote up, uh, with them <laughs> just so I could go to the show. So I actually got to see him on the killer's tour with the honor. So that was pretty cool. Oh, wow. Wow. So how old were you? About, so about how old were you at that time? Gosh, uh, 14, maybe. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Were, were you into priest at the time as well? Um, you know, it's funny. I kind of was uh, a little bit. That was when I think British Steel, it was the British Steel album tour. But uh-huh. the funny thing is my very first concert was Kiss and Judas Priest opened for them. So I had already seen Priest, but oh, I was totally cool. un- unfamiliar with them. I just thought it was cool that the guy came out riding a motorcycle at the end of the night. So, <laughs> Heck um, yeah, man. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so it's kind of funny. So I saw Priest like twice with not really even intending to see them. <laughs> that's awesome. So, okay. So, so I was going to, that's the question I was going to ask is, did you hear, cause I heard Bruce first before I heard Paul Diano and it kind of, it kind of hurt Paul Diano's chances with me a little bit because Bruce was so incredible. But so you actually heard Paul Diano first and got to go see them. Wow. That's really cool. Um, what did you, uh, what did, what did you think when you saw Maiden? Oh, that was great. That was great. Yeah. Um, I was a little bit late, so I think I missed the first tune or so and I walked in and they were doing, uh, it's not prodigal son. Um, please take me away. Take me away. Another life. So uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I just couldn't oh, think of, the, I couldn't think of the, 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 the title of the song. Yeah. That's cool. That's really cool. So, so did you, okay. Well, so at that point, were you playing guitar yet? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so did, 
watching Maiden play, as a guitar player, I would assume you'd probably would would be maybe focused more on the guys playing guitar too. So did you kind of gravitate toward Adrian or Dave at the time or? Uh, no, I gravitated towards Steve Harris. <laughs> he was still on the show. You know, right. he was doing, he was doing the, the fancier stuff. I mean, that's, that's funny. You know, I am a guitar player, but uh, it was really the bass is what got me into Maiden. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I just, you know, I, I just never heard bass playing like that, even though I was kind of into Rush and, you know, Getty Lee's phenomenal too. He just yeah. had kind of a different style, you know, whereas uh, Steve Harris is just a lot, a lot more aggressive and, you know, more you know, melodic and uh, kind of going with the whole time and stuff. So. Yeah. <clears> yeah. Well, that's, Okay, so you came along earlier than I, I was thinking you were going to say you came along in the 80s. Okay, so obviously it wasn't too long after that that Paul Diano's out of the band. And I guess at that point, you probably already had the Killers album and and yeah. and had your and probably did you already go back and have the uh, first album as well? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so when you hear that Paul Diano's out of the band, does it what do you think at all about that? Um, you know, it really didn't phase me because I, I think I, you know, I had only been playing guitar, you know, a few years at that time. And so I didn't quite grasp the whole, you know, music industry thing yet. Sure. And so, you know, just like, oh, they got a new singer and, you know, I heard Bruce and he was, you know, great. And I, and, you know, I ended up liking him a lot better and I didn't really even know why at the time. Uh, sure. you know, I mean, now I do obviously, but, you know, uh, being that young and just not knowing a lot about, uh, you know, the music world and stuff yet, right. uh, it, you know, I wasn't really all that phased buy it because I knew other bands had replaced members and stuff. And I didn't even, you know, well, I wonder what happened. Why'd they get rid of them? You know, it wasn't even, <laughs> yeah. oh, they got a different singer now, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. See, cause I got, when I got into kiss, it wasn't too long after that, that I remember reading a magazine and it said, Bruce Kulick is the new guitar player for kiss. Right. And I just remember at that time I was, I didn't know anything about it. I just was like, Oh, they're a five piece now. Cool. <laughs> you know, I didn't have no, <laughs> I, I didn't know at that point that it had already been through, you know, Ace and Peter and Vinny and, and all that. So, so yeah, so that's, oh, that's interesting. Okay. So, so then you hear obviously number of the beast and you hear Bruce sing and you, did you know of Bruce at all before that? No. Okay. So when you hear Bruce sing, obviously you said you liked him better. So mm-hmm. did you like when you heard number of the beast, because it's a different sound, obviously right, right. than what the first two albums sounded like. What what was your take on that? Did you think, wow, they're this is even better? Or oh yeah, 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 I loved it. Uh, I loved it. I it just I thought the songs were stronger. Um, uh, you know, and, and it's funny because and obviously people will argue with this, uh, but for me, up until I think like Fear of the Dark, Maiden was a band that I was always like, okay. Every time they put out an album, it was like, okay, this is their best album. There's no way they can top this one. And then they put out another thing. No way. This is better than the last one. Better and better and better, you know, uh, in my opinion, anyway. Um, So, yeah. So I thought Number of the Beast was just a fantastic album. You know, it's really, really solid. And I mean, it's got, you know, everybody, you know, raising Number of the Beast and Run of the Hills, which are great songs. But uh, I mean, Hallowed Be Thy Name to me is just, you know, so climactic. I mean, uh, it's one of our favorite ones to play. And uh, yeah, it's just awesome. So, you know that song has always stood the test of time for me. Oh yeah, yeah, and and you're right though the 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 progression of albums from Bruce coming in on Number of the Beast to Peace of Mind to Power of Slave to so- Somewhere in Time to Seventh Son. It's like it, it just it was just like you'd get an. Yeah. Which for me, I came in on Somewhere in Time, so it wasn't it didn't happen quite that way for me. But it, you know, hearing Somewhere in Time, I thought it was awesome. That was the first. That was the first new album that they put out when I was a fan. Mm-hmm. And then Seventh Son was after that. And of course, that was a great album too. And that was the first tour that I got to see. So gotcha. um, did you get to see them? I, I, 
on Number of the Beast tour. Yes, yes, I did. Yeah, I opened. Uh, they opened up for uh, Rainbow and Thirty Eight Special. That was the actually the first of many times I got to meet the guys. They did an in store appearance at a record store, um, uh. and it, it was really cool because then when we got to the venue early. Clive was out uh, uh, doing his uh, sound check, and uh-huh. uh, I, I know the people watching or listening at home won't be able to see it, but he actually threw out a drumstick. So I have a Clive Bird drumstick. Oh wow, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, so that was really cool. Um, so yeah, I saw him on the, the Number of the Beast tour. Yeah. That's really cool. So I guess meeting the guys, is it just kind of going through the line and shake, you know, Hey, how you doing? How you doing? No, no, they were actually, they were hanging out in the record store. The record, the record store didn't go with the hand how to handle us. Cause they, there was so many people that showed up. I mean, uh-huh. so th- there was two floors. And so they had, uh, um, upstairs was, uh, Steve and, uh, Bruce. And then downstairs was, uh, was, was Clive, Dave and Adrian. And, uh, <clears throat> I mean, it was just, you know, wall to wall people. And, um, <clears throat> you know, you got to talk to them. It wasn't like a, you know, like a normal, you know, meet and greet where it's, yeah, hi, shake your hand by, you know? Um, so, you know, it was pretty cool. They were there, you know, most of the afternoon, they were there for several hours and, you wow. know, you know, pictures and stuff like that and autographs and, and whatnot. So that's right. Re- you, did you get, were you able to get pictures too? Uh, yeah, yeah. I do have an old picture. We did a picture out back of the, uh, the record store because <clears throat> my singer at the time, he's the guy who had the Iron Maiden killers button. He had okay. made this enormous painting of Eddie killing Wendy o. Williams. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so the band all signed it and, you know, we got a picture you know, with him holding it up and, and, and stuff. And, uh, actually the picture again, you know, the, the listeners won't be able to see it, but I had drawn this in, um, uh, English class, my drawing of Eddie. Oh, and wow. to this day I have everybody on here except Denny Stratton and, uh, blaze. Oh, wow, man. That yes. is really, it's, a, yeah. and, and for people that can't see it, it's, it's like a, it's like Eddie's face from the first album. Yeah. Yeah. In black and white. That's really cool, dude. That's yeah. really cool. That's kind, of, that's kind of stuff I did in school when I should have been paying attention. <laughs> I, yeah. stuff. <laughs> I can remember being in, in like junior high school and, um, I don't know how familiar you are with the song by kiss. I've had enough into the fire from animal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a great song. Yeah. Yeah. I can I remember know. literally writing cause those lyrics were good. You know, yeah. how many times have you given up more than you got? But I can remember sitting in class and just like writing all those lyrics on my desk in class. <laughs> and I can remember seeing some guy kind of come to the desk after I was done looking at like, what is this guy? What is he writing? <laughs> uh, that's cool. That's so, did you, did anybody, I guess, uh, I, I don't, I've never met any of the guys in Maiden, so I like to ask these things, but so did any anyone say anything that you just carried with you for the rest of your life? Uh, the guitar players or Clive or anything or, or uh, Steve? <clears throat> yeah, actually Steve. Cheers. I say that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all because of him yeah yeah so like even in my emails usually i sign it with cheers before my signature um and that's that's really where i got it was from steve harris that's great man i've yeah. since i started my podcast i've started saying cheers because i talked to so many people from england and stuff and it's like uh, so then yeah. i've kind of started cheers or, or, or i say straight away i say straight away a lot okay. that's kind of a english or australian type of thing yeah. um th- so that's really cool that you got to meet uh clive burr i when I talked to Dennis and he talked about, it was really cool to hear somebody that had actually knew Clive Burr talk about him as opposed to, you know, just hearing a random, right. just list, listening to the albums and stuff. So that's really neat that you got to meet him. Yeah. So I guess, so just, we'll go through the whole progression of albums here and we'll, and as you have stories, we'll get to him. Okay. So, so the next tour that came along or the next album was peace of mind. Mm-hmm. And at that point, now this is interesting because you met Clive, you got a drumstick from Clive. They changed drummers. So did 
a lot of people have just kind of said, well, it didn't really bother me, but did, did it did it bother you at all whenever they changed the drummers? Um, it did a little bit just because Clive was such a great drummer, but I mean, God, you know, Nico's phenomenal. So, true. Uh, um, you know, it, it's like they're just different. You know, you can't say really one is better than the other, in my opinion. I mean, they're both phenomenal drummers, just slightly different playing style. And I think for where Maiden was when Clive was with him, his drumming complimented them fantastically. And, yeah. you know, when Nico joined, it did the same thing. So, um, you know, and it's something because I, 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 I never thought to ask him this. I met Nico a few times, too, and I've never thought to ask him this. But I was wondering since peace of mind opens up with that phenomenal drum intro and where he goes there. Yeah. If that was intentional because of them having a new drummer saying, Hey, we need, you know, something to open up so people, you know, accept you. So, uh, you know, come up with a really cool drum intro to start off the album or something. Yeah. I mean, I may, may be way overthinking it. Um, no. you know, I, but if as you were saying surprise, that, that's what I was thinking. I thought that's probably <laughs> why, because you know, a lot of people may not have been bothered, but a lot of people probably were like, what's the deal here, man. they, you know, two albums back, they had a different singer. Then the next album, they had a new singer. And now the next album, they got a new drummer. I mean, who's next? Right. Right. And, 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 and it might've, you know, caused a little bit of, you know, just whatever in an Iron Maiden fan going, golly. And, but then opening, that's what everyone kind of says. They're like, yeah, I was kind of upset, but then, you know, you turn on where Eagles dare and you hear that and you're like, Okay, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And Nico's beats, I mean, Clive's beats were really cool, too. You know, he always had some really, really neat drum beats, and uh, yeah. he, but Nico does, too. And, I, you know, even though I'm a guitar player, I mean, I, I, I focus a lot on the drum parts of a song and stuff because, you know, that adds such a, a dynamic to it, you know, depending on what the drummer's doing. Sure, sure. Um, so I'm, I'm going to guess here that you're going to say yes to this next question, but did you go see them on the Peace of Mind tour? Yes, yes, twice. Uh, we actually drove up to Indianapolis. It was my first real road trip because I don't consider Dayton a road trip. That was only an hour away. But uh, we drove up and uh, uh, stayed stayed the night before the show in the hotel, actually the same hotel as they stayed in. Ah. Uh, so we saw them walking around like the, the foyer area, but we didn't really get to uh, uh, talk to any of them. Um, they weren't in the best of mood because it was a Sunday and apparently Indianapolis you couldn't buy alcohol or beer on Sundays. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, which kind of sucked because we would have had alcohol and beer. They would have been partying with us. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, I saw them then. And then, uh, uh, a few months later they played, uh, Cincinnati and, uh, you know, saw them there also on the piece of mind. I meant to ask you this, um, to go back to the, the show you saw, what was it like, um, seeing 38 special in between? <laughs> oh, we didn't. Cause they headlined. Yeah. Oh. We, yeah. We left. We, we saw Maiden and Rainbow and then left. Yeah. You know, because oh, we wow. were really eight special. So yeah, we, yeah, it was a weird combination. You had Iron Maiden, Rainbow, and Thirty Eight Special. It's like, mm, yeah, who yeah. thought of that one? That's so, funny. That's funny. That's yeah. like a cool in the gang opening for Van Halen, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you saw them on Peace of Mind, were they headlining? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, uh, cool. Up in Indianapolis, Coney Hatch opened up for them with Fastway. It was yeah, it was Coney Hatch, Fastway, and then Iron Maiden. Uh -huh. Um, and then, uh, in Cincinnati, I think I want to say it was twisted sister. Okay. Opened. I know I saw him in Cincinnati with twisted sister opening, but it might've been Fastway again on that one. Okay. It probably okay. was. I think it maybe was Fastway and twisted sister. I, I could okay. be wrong. That's cool. Yeah. And I, I'm sure that was a, uh, treat for Steve to have Fastway out there. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let's see here. The next album, obviously, is uh, Power Slave. Yes. How many times did you see Power Slave tour? <laughs> six. Wow. Six. Saw them six times in that tour. Yeah, but they toured for two years. True. So, you know, Cincinnati, I mean, I, I saw them, you know, like Cincinnati, Toledo, 
Uh, I think Columbus, Indianapolis, I'd probably Louisville, Lexington, something like that. I mean, you know, there's a lot of cities around and they just, that was the, they're just, you know, like literally do or die tour. Cause it was like two years long. They were on the road for that one. Yeah. Um, so they went like, you know, they played every city and, you know, came back around to certain areas. So sure. yeah, but I saw them six times in that tour. Golly. So which, uh, who did you see them? Uh, who opened for them on, did, was it a lot of different bands or just a couple um, or uh, except did a good portion of it. The, the first portion of it was except, um, beyond that, I honestly do not remember. I don't okay. think I know except didn't do the entire two year run, but uh, they did a good portion of it. So I got to see except a few times. Okay. And did you have a chance to meet a ba- any, meet any of them? Any, if you've met any of many other times, I want you to say it. Cause I just want to yeah. hear the, I love hearing yeah, these stories. I, I, I definitely met him a couple times on the power slave tour. Um, I don't remember exactly which times except Toledo. I definitely distinctly remember Toledo. Um, when I saw him up there, um, yeah, I just I kind of had a knack back in the day of like talking my way into backstage passes a lot with oh, wow. guys in the crew and stuff like that. I would become friends. I would, like I was kind of friends with their sound man for a while, Doug Hall. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, which is kind of funny because he ended up actually running sound for one of my bands one night purely by accident. He was on oh, the wow. road with Exodus and they were playing in Cincinnati and they were in town the night before their show. And there, were, there used to be a bar. A lot of people know it. I mean, all around the world. It was in Cincinnati called Sudsy Malone's. It was a combination laundromat bar. And <laughs> so that's why I was kind of famous because, you know, how many laundromat bars are there? Right. Uh, you know, you go do your laundry and listen to live bands and stuff. And obviously, you know, rock bands, especially when they were in town and they had a day off, they got to do their laundry somewhere. Why not go where you can drink and hear live music? So, <laughs> uh, so like bands would always be there. Lizzie Borden saw us play there once. But, um, uh, but the guys in Exodus um, were... Uh, uh, they were just hanging out in the area. I don't even think they were going to Sudsy Malone's. And I ran to Doug Hall out, outside. I'm like, Doug, what are you doing here? He goes, oh, I'm running sound for Exodus. We're playing Bogarts tomorrow night. I said, oh, well, hey, I'm playing right here. Why don't you come on in? And uh, he came in and just, you know, started watching us. And a couple of the guys from Exodus were there, too. Um, and we had some sound issues. So next thing I know, he's behind the board running our mix. <laughs> so like, this is cool. Iron Maiden Sound Man's doing our sounding guy. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's really cool. That's really cool. So now famously the next album is somewhere in time, but before somewhere in time came out, there was a home video that came out and Bruce Dickinson very famously says on the home video, because the guy says, I want to do heavy metal with synthesizers. And you know, you can play heavy metal on the synthesizer. <laughs> exactly. And so the next album, they have synthesizers. I know. I think that's I know. So funny. <laughs> so now, so as a fan, so at this point you've been a fan for about five years. And so th- yeah. you obviously get somewhere in time, you turn it on. What's your thoughts? Again, I, I loved it. Uh, you know, I thought it was pretty cool. It was not overdone. It was not real all white snake keyboardy, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, and they were, you know, it was mostly guitar synths that they were doing. You know, it was kind of a new thing at the time. So they were embracing some new technology and trying some things with it. Uh, yeah. And again, the songs were great. You know, for me, it's always about the songs. Um, sure. And that's true with any band. But uh, yeah, it was, it was, you know, a little different dimension. Um, you know, it was very ironic given what Bruce had just said on that home video. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I dug it and it, you know, and it, it, to me, I mean, obviously, yes, you can hear the, you know, there's synths in there and stuff, you know, for sure, but it just doesn't, it doesn't, uh, come across overtly synthy, you know, to me. Cause yeah. they're mostly complimenting the guitar parts, you know, the stuff that's going on or, or they're kind of in the background to add dimension and, and, you know, Maiden's all kind of always been a band about dimension and textures and, you know, uh, sure. very soundtrack oriented stuff, even though they don't do soundtrack music. You know? <laughs> yeah. So. Um, <clears throat> what was I going to ask you about that? Uh, 
Oh, I was going to say, to me, when you talk about overdone synths on an album, I always, and I like the album, but I like it, you think of Turbo by Priest. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, that they just went yeah. way over the top, so. Yeah. There's yeah, some well, good songs like, on there. The kind of thing at the time, guitar synths, you know, were brand new, and, you know, that's the thing, sure. whenever something new technology-wise comes out, I mean, you know, a lot of people, you know, it, it, it you know, they want to embrace it and stuff and try to be, you know, new and different with, with something, so a lot of people right. kind of jump on the bandwagon. The unfortunate thing with that is that it also kind of makes it dated 10 years later, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, not, I, I heard yeah. a story once where, uh, uh, one of the producers for the doors, Ray Manzarek, I wanted to use a, a crybaby wah wah pet on the producer talking him out of it. Cause he said, you know, if you use it, it's going to sound dated in 10 years. And so I ended up not doing it. So, Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> so how many times did you see the somewhere in time tour? I want to say at least I knew at least twice that might have been it because after they were on the road for like two years doing Power Slave, they stopped touring quite as much. I mean, I think that just killed them, which I understand. I mean, sure. you know, it's a long, grueling haul. So, uh, yeah, they weren't playing as much. They were skipping cities and doing like, uh, you know, I mean, and now they're doing it even more so where they're only playing like select cities, you know, four hours apart from each other and stuff. But then yeah. you know, they were doing that. So, like I said, Cincinnati, you know, you're within two hours of like Lexington, Louisville, Dayton, Columbus and Indianapolis. Annapolis and yeah. you know in Paris like they did I think all those but uh somewhere in time I think they only did like two of them uh, I know I saw them in Columbus Ohio and I'm sure I saw them in Cincinnati and I think that might have been it for that, that tour. that's a good little area down there because I, I got a friend that lives in Louisville and uh there's just so many towns that are in a certain small <laughs> you know right. not too far away from each other radius so he I know he used to tell me how he'd go see Kiss so many times because they'd play yeah. all these little areas I was just like man oh, yeah thing yeah i saw him countless times on the uh on the uh the non-makeup era i mean it, it li like literally so much that i have to ask my friends did we see him here did we see him on that trip you know because <laughs> it, it's all blur to me the non-makeup era because they were playing all those cities like all the time and ever on every tour so i was at every single one so i yeah, i don't remember yeah them, so did you see them with makeup by chance kiss yes yeah well se september 14th 1979 was dynasty tour that was my first concert and that's when judas priest opened so oh, I saw okay, yeah, that's right. You said with Priest, yeah. obviously on the farewell tour, you know, the reunion tour, all the all those, you know. So, uh, but yeah, I did see him in the original makeup back in '79. Did you happen to see? Uh, I know we're supposed to be talking Maiden here, but uh, did you happen to see the Creatures of the Night tour? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh. No, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no, I did not see Creatures of the Night. No, Lick It Up was the next time that I saw him. Uh, okay, some, okay. Friends of mine saw the Creatures of the Night, uh, but that was in Dayton, and I wasn't driving at the time and didn't have a way to go up there, mm. get up there for it. So I didn't yeah, see that. Yeah, one. that's still cool. That's still cool that you got to see Vinny though. So, mm -hmm. yep. Even though, even though he, you know, well, you know what he does to Kiss guitar solos. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, so what about uh, the next album, Seventh Son, comes out? It's even more so with the the guitar synths and things like that, which. I, I don't, th I think I already know how you're going to respond about it, but I feel the same way. I love the album. I love oh, the I sense yes. that they don't bother yeah. me. You know, right. Moonchild, Moonchild kicks in and it's so aggressive when it does. Yeah. It, it doesn't bother you. So. <clears throat> right. Right. And, and did you see that tour? I assume. Mm -hmm. Yes, I did. Yeah. I, I think maybe just once or twice at the most. Okay. Um, Cause again, they were touring less and less, you know, as the albums went on. So. Did you, did, when you saw them, was it, was Fraley's Comet opening? I don't know. And I want to say no, because I think I would have remembered that. Okay. Yeah. That's who was opening when I saw it. So it was kind of, that was my second concert. My first concert <laughs> ever was, was Kiss with Ted Nugent opening. 
And then I saw Maiden in the summer with with Ace Freely open. And so it was really cool because it was kind of like a kind of little little bit of a kiss tie-in with yeah. it, you know? So and I think he opened with Rip It Out, if I remember right. So Yeah, yeah. I know he opened up with that on his solo tours a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now now uh with Iron Maiden, obviously Oh, hold on, I'm sorry. My alarm went off on my phone. It's uh, <laughs> it was a Bruce Dickinson song, so we're good. <laughs> um, okay, the troopers mocking tone. <laughs> um so um Adrian Smith leaves the band. Mm-hmm. And as a guitar player, I'm assuming, you know, you're years into your guitar playing at this point. So that had to have meant something to you at that point. Uh, Yeah, I hated to see him go because, you know, the chemistry between him and Dave Murray was just phenomenal. So, uh, yeah, I you know kind of hated to see him go. Um, You know, when you and when Yannick came in, I didn't really think too much of it because really he was just copying Adrian's parts, you know, at that point, for the most part, other than, you know, the album he did with him, uh, the albums he did with him. But um uh and you know and he did a good job of that uh definitely you know much more of a showman than, than you know adrian smith was <laughs> but um yeah but you know yeah I, I was kind of a little disappointed by that when he uh when he left did you realize at the time <clears throat> I, i've i've heard a lot of talk since you know listening to podcasts and things that adrian uh, People like to equate this, you know, the band eras. They'll say, "Oh, there's the Paul Diano era, there's mm-hmm. the Bruce era, the first Bruce era, then the Blaze era, and then the second Bruce era." But this one podcast I like a lot. It's called it's called Talking Maiden. Yeah, but, yeah, I'm familiar with it. Okay, well, he says that there's, you know, there's well, there's like a first era that you know the first two albums because Adrian really didn't input on those a lot. Right, you know, he right. played on it, but but right. then there's the albums with Adrian. Then there's the four albums without Adrian, which is where we're getting to now. So right. did you did you think of it back then? Did you kind of think, wow, Adrian's really going to be missed? Or was it kind of like, okay, well, they got someone else that's playing the same stuff? Yeah, that's kind of how it was. That's kind of like they got someone else playing the same stuff, you know. Um, so, you know, I definitely don't think the songs were as strong then because Adrian was a good songwriter. Right. Right. Um, so that, I think, you know, hurt them, you know, but playing wise, I mean, Yannick's a great guitar player. So, you know, I didn't have any problems with his playing and stuff. I just think the songwriting suffered at that point. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, um, I was having a conversation <laughs> with somebody yesterday about, about his song, about Yannick's songwriting, because there's some really weak songs. If you go between, uh, no prayer and fear of the dark that he contributed right. with Steve on, but, and, and I know, We'll get to this in a minute, so you don't have to comment yet. But with Blaze Bailey, his songwriting after Iron Maiden is really, really strong. And I and and he's said in multiple interviews, I I got this, you know, I picked up a lot from Steve. So, and I think the same thing about Yannick because his songwriting chops have gotten so much stronger in mm-hmm. like these last twenty years since Bruce came back. And I, I just. It, yeah. It just says so much about Steve Harris, you know, but, um, yeah, for sure. so no prayer for the dying comes out. And obviously we have the new guitar player. What did you think of the album itself? It was okay. Um, you know, I like a few songs on it. Definitely not their, their, their strongest album. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, I, I did see him on that tour uh, in Cincinnati. And I remember that well, because that was the first of two times I actually get to go on stage and sing with them. <laughs> oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. 
uh, and heaven can wait. You know, they sometimes would bring people out to do the, yeah. uh, the always and heaven can wait. And, uh, I had gotten to do that in Cincinnati on the go prayer for the dying tour. So that was oh, you cool. know, one of the highlights of my life. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So who opened that? Was it anthrax on that? Uh, yeah, I believe it was. That sounds uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I well, Wait, 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 wait. It was, yeah, it was Anthrax. I, I, that's who I saw with him. I was thinking of another yeah. show too. So yeah, that's, a lot of people are down on that album a lot, big time. I, I think it's better than Fear of the Dark, but I think Fear of the Dark has the song Fear of the Dark and that's why people elevate the album. So, but, mm. well then Fear of the Dark yeah, isn't it? Go ahead. Tailgun is a really good song. I like, I like that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I actually like Fear of the Dark a lot better. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's, you're allowed to be wrong. So, <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, because it's got Fear of the Dark on it, which is such an epic tune. Uh, and it's also got Afraid to Shoot Strangers, which I love. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. There, there's, there's good songs on both albums. I just, I just think that Fear of the Dark has a few more weaker ones, but it's all good. It's all good. They're all, it's Maiden. So there's going to be some good. So, yeah. So then Fear of the Dark comes out, you know, same lineup again. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see that tour? I'm assuming. Yeah, saw that one in Cleveland. Uh, that was the second time I got to sing on stage with them. Oh wow! Yeah. They played yeah. in Cleveland, so uh, yeah, went up there. That's really cool. That's really cool. So, what did you think about this? How about I didn't think about this. Bruce's vocal style changed on "No Prayer for the Dying," mm-hmm. and you know the more raspy. So, what did you think? Right. Did that did that bother you at all? Yeah, I think that plays into why I don't like the album as much. Okay. Okay. What did you think of uh, Tattooed Millionaire when it came out? Uh, it was cool. You know, it was a little, little, little poppy and commercial. You know. Yeah. Um, but it was all right. It was all right. Okay. Okay. So, obviously, the next, you know, one of the biggest moves ever in Iron Maiden history, Bruce Dickinson leaves the band, and, and first off, before you know, they they announced Blaze Bailey was going to be the singer at before you ever heard him in my in Maiden. Had you ever heard of Blaze Bailey? No, no. Okay, no. okay. And so they put out the X Factor in 1995, but before the X Factor came out, Bruce released another solo album. He released Balls to Picasso. Did you like mm-hmm. that one? Yeah, that was all right. Yeah. Yeah. See, I I didn't like uh, Tattooed Millionaire a lot, but I like I like about three or four songs on it. But when I heard Balls to Picasso, because I don't remember having a lot of feelings about him leaving, it was just like, oh man, that sucks. But um, when I heard Balls to Picasso, I was like, hey, he's putting out rock albums and it's good stuff. I liked it. I think hindsight, it's not quite as good as I liked it back when I was in my early 20s, but right. but it was still a good album. And I, I was like, cool, we're, we're going to have, you know, Maiden's going to do something. Bruce is doing something. And then, then the X Factor comes out. And I know we've already discussed this a little bit before I started recording. So <laughs> what did you think when you turned on the X Factor? I hated it. <laughs> like I said, I, I, I try to erase the Blaze Bailey era from the Iron Maiden history books. Um, yeah, in my mind, that era didn't exist. Uh, yeah. I just I didn't like it at all. The songs were not very good. I, I, I just don't like Blaze's voice. He's very, very monotone-ish. Okay. Uh, you know, and I mean, obviously, this says something because I did see them on that tour and they went from headlining arenas to playing a, a, an 800-seat club. Sure, sure. So, you know, I mean, that kind of says, I mean, so, there were other factors going on in the music world at that time, too. Right. You know, grunge had taken over and stuff like that. But still, 
uh, yeah, Maiden was just not Maiden with him in the band. I thought I felt so. Okay. Okay. So did you see, or did you, did you end up buying virtual 11 or did you just not even get it? I didn't get it. Yeah. Okay. So have you ever went back and listened to it? Uh, I've not, I mean, I probably should, but you know, and I have the, you know, uh, the X factor and, you know, I actually even pulled it out and kind of listened to it a little bit, you know, uh, and there's a couple of halfway decent songs in there, but (laughs) yeah, I just say his voice is just so monotone. Like, you know, I mean, and then, you know, and, and, you know, I don't know if that's just because that's him or I'm, you know, trying to compare it to Bruce who is anything but monotone, you know? So, uh, but yeah, I just can't get into it. Yeah. I always think that his, the biggest problem he had was that he was following Bruce because. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not easy to choose to fill by any means. So it, it's like, well, let me ask you, do you, would you have preferred for made it? Cause you know, there was a rumor back in the day and I don't know that it was ever really real, but that they talked about Michael Kiske from Halloween replacing yeah. him. Yeah. Now that would have worked. I like Michael Kiske. And, and uh, you know, I think he would, he would have been able to sing the stuff. He's probably about the only person that, you know, they could have, you know, pulled yeah. off doing it unless they got some totally unknown virtuoso guy, you know, um, you know, and, and, and I think he would have been widely accepted because, you know, Hall- Halloween had somewhat of a following, obviously much bigger in Europe, but yeah. uh, you know, so I think that would have been, uh, you know, it would have been an interesting move. You know, I, I wonder, you know, what would have happened had that, you know, taken place if Bruce would have ever ended up coming back, um, you know, cause they might've succeeded well enough, you know, with him, but yeah, he would have been the ideal candidate for that for sure. Okay. Okay. So, um, okay. So in the nineties, because Maiden, I think the story is blaze had an accident on a motorcycle or something. <laughs> so that yeah. kind of pushed them back. But next thing, you know, Bruce puts out an album called skunk works after after uh the x factor so what did, did you what'd you think of that one i i honestly i never got to listen to it i think that's where i kind of started to lose interest for a while gotcha. uh, because of you know bruce doing his thing adrian doing his thing you know blaze in the band it just kind of all you know my my attention span kind of dwindled plus i was going through some different things musically at that point too sure. uh you know with the whole grunge movement and stuff uh you know basically killing a lot of careers including my own at that point i actually yeah. like quit listening to almost all rock stuff in like the 90s um and started listening to uh flamenco celtic soundtracks new age and and oh, stuff wow. like that and i actually put out a couple albums of latin flamenco world beat music and i was trying to go into a totally different music oh, wow. direction so uh, yeah, because I just was not a fan of what was happening in rock world, the hard rock world, pop music. I, it just seemed like everything was just crap that was being put out. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I just was not a fan of, of, of a lot of different things, even bands that I loved. you know, some of their albums they were putting out at that, at that stage, it was just like, you know, either weak or rehashed stuff, you know? So yeah. I just kind of totally lost interest at that point for a while. Well, well being the way, what you, when you said that, I made me want to ask this, <clears throat> What did you think about Carnival of Souls by Kiss? I I, I didn't care for it. I listened you to it didn't several care for times. It? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was cool that, you know, the heavier sound that they were trying to go for. It just, again, the songs just weren't there. And I'm such a song-oriented person. And, um, yeah, I just didn't think the the, the, okay. the songs okay. were strong. Yeah, I, I I actually, I love <laughs> I love that album. I, I thought it really lent itself to Gene. Like, Paul's songs... He had, he struggled. I mean, other than like, you know, there's, he has a couple of songs like jungle and master and slave that are really good on there. Right. right. But, but it didn't lend itself to Paul's, um, 
strengths. It, it definitely <laughs> lent itself to Gene because it was dark. So, right. Right. Um, because are you a Gene or a Paul guy? Like if you chose one of the over the other, you know, uh, that's really hard to say because I love them both. I mean, Paul. It's funny because you know I said I started playing guitar because of Kiss, but it was really Paul Stanley. I didn't even okay. know the difference between a lead and rhythm player. I just had a Kiss poster on my wall, and there's Paul Stanley jumping in the air with a guitar hanging around his neck. <laughs> I up and said, "Man, that looks like fun. I think I want to do that." You know, so there you go. Uh, that's what I joke. I said I wanted to grow up and be Paul Stanley. So, there you um, go. yeah, but I mean, I love you know Gene's songs too and stuff. So, uh, but I, I'd say probably more of a Paul person because of the four solo albums. His album is my favorite. Because okay. of the song on it, so okay, okay. I I prefer Ace. I think I think a Hold Me, Touch Me um, kind of dampens Paul's album. <laughs> yeah, that that's a pretty sappy song. I mean, you know, that's definitely not one of my favorites on there. But I mean, I love you know, tonight. You belong to me, and move on, and oh yeah, uh, you know some of those other ones. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Ace Ace is a close second in my book though, because his album is great too. I mean, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so now maybe maybe this will be still during your different musical time here, but when Bruce ended up putting out Accident of Birth in 1997, did you hear that then? No. Okay, okay, because no. that's... I really should go back and listen to it. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that's the thing. I just, I was really not listening to a lot of rock uh, again for, you know, for several years. Gotcha, okay. So you just, you didn't listen to it, and then you just never really went back and to check right. out what was... Okay, because that album, uh, you may already know it, but it has... Adrian Smith on it. So he, yeah, well, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. So he's got eight. He, and then his next album that came out was chemical wedding, which also had Adrian, but, um, so, okay. So we didn't, uh, okay. So let me, I can skip my next question about, uh, virtual 11. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so then the next thing that happens in maiden history is Bruce and Adrian come back to the band. And yeah. at this point, are you kind of back into the fold musically with them or, uh, yeah, at least seeing them, uh, live mostly. Um, yeah, I thought that was kind of an interesting move that they, you know, did that in and kept Yannick and, uh, you know, and when I read the, you know, the reason why it made absolute sense because he said, yeah. you know, in a lot of the albums where the harmonies are, there's a rhythm guitar in the background so he can fill that out and stuff. And, uh, you know, anyway, you know, is a great showman too. So it added something to their live show, even though, you know, it offsets a lot of maiden fans I know, yeah. uh, you know, and I think maybe he, he, he could tame it down a little bit. Uh, and fit in a little bit better because I think he's a little bit overboard with it. But but uh, but you know, nonetheless, a great guitar player. And um, so yeah, I mean, I think it was. I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. And I'm glad that you know, Bruce. Kind of my understanding is Bruce. You know, kind of gave the ultimatum. Yes, I'll come back, but Adrian's coming with me. And uh, yeah. so you know, I think that was uh, definitely a really really great move. Well, and and the other thing that the other ultimatum that I I don't know if it was an ultimatum, but that kind of went down was from Adrian, and he just said, look. If I come back to the band, I'm not going to come back if you're going to fire Yannick, which I thought was really cool. Oh, I did not know that. That's yeah, interesting. He, he, yeah, I he didn't realize Adrian that, that made that call. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I thought that was and and I and but then I my my belief is because a, a lot of fans, like you said, are up in arms about the way you know he dances and prances around on stage and right. and the way he is. It's fun to watch, but if he was not bringing something viable to that band, Steve Harris would have long ago said, Hey, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> you right, know? right. Right. He, he's not, he's not going to keep a dead weight around. So right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so did you hear a uh, brave new world when it came out or just see the show or what? Um, I did, I did hear it when it came out. I, I didn't, uh, actually get it when it came out. I bought it, uh, some years later. Uh, mm -hmm. and it's a good album. Oh yeah. 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 yeah I, 
for me, I was I was kind of the same. I wasn't in the same place musically when Brave New World came out, which is disappointing because I know now that they came and did a small tour. They played at a very small, like two or three thousand seat place mm-hmm. in Dallas with with the six man band. So that would have been really cool to see. And but I did see the Brave New World tour, and the reason I was there though was to see Rob Halford. I wasn't there to see Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. It, they they were just the uh, the cream on top, I guess. Right. <laughs> Whatever. Um. So, at what point do you kind of get back into? Maiden puts out a new album. You're getting it whenever it's coming out. Uh. Well, honestly. Or did you ever? Book of Souls. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, I I didn't t- totally take a break from Maiden, you know, uh, but I, I I was always listening to the older stuff. Gotcha. Um, you know, at that point. Uh, it wasn't, you know, Book of Souls was actually the last new album of theirs that I bought new when it came out. You okay. know, I had went back later and bought like, you know, uh, Dance of the Dead and, you know, and, and, and yeah. uh, New World and stuff like that. Uh, so as far as, you know, a, a new album, that would that would have been it. Okay. okay. That's, see, that's kind of, I was, I went and saw them in 2012. And then the next thing they put out was Final Frontier. And when I heard Final Frontier, I just remember going like it, the intro is weird, mm-hmm. you know, it's th- with that whole satellite thing. And I was like, eh, I don't know. I guess maybe they're just not the same band they used to be. And I didn't even listen to the album. I just waited. And, right. and then, then between, you know, that was like a five year period. And so between then and book of souls, I got back into it and I was really started digging in and really started liking, you know, wow. Brave new world's incredible. Wow. Dance of death's really good. Wow. Matter of life and death's awesome. And, so yeah, I'm the same way with Book of Souls. That was I bought that on release day, and that was the first one. Did, were you going to see Maiden through the years? Uh, um, when I could. The thing is, again, they 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 were touring less and less, and so like they were playing like four hours away sometimes, and and yeah. sometimes I was just unable to because of you know time, money, schedules, whatever reason. So um, I you know I've seen them you know uh, uh, a bit the last several years, but there was an era where. Uh, for a few years, yeah, I wasn't able to see them. They were playing, but I was like, you know, four hours away and just couldn't get to the yeah. show. Okay, so, so right now you're in a you're in a Maiden tribute band, and you said that back around, uh, well, mid '90s ish, I guess you would went to a different era type of music. So, at what point did you start? I guess I don't know where where, where did your music go from there. Um, actually it went country. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> well, the reason is, the reason is because I put out, like I said, a couple Latin flamenco albums and I was basically running my own record label and, uh, was doing okay, but I wasn't to the point where I could hire people. So I was doing all the work and at the end of the day, yeah. never really had time to keep making music. So sure. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be a record executive person. I wanted to be a musician. Right. So I decided to get more into songwriting. I just thought, you know, about the idea of writing songs for other people. And that's where the market really is as country. So I started listening to a lot of country and found that actually at that time frame, which would have been, uh, like 2006 or so um 2007 that i actually liked a lot of the country music that was coming out and that's when i started making a trip from cincinnati down to nashville once a month to learn about like songwriting and try to you know network and stuff and after doing that about six months i ended up moving to nashville really to write songs for the country market uh you know now i honestly can't stand what's going on in country music Uh, (laughs) you know it's just it's just the most fabricated cookie cutter stuff out there um 
So I, I, you know, got away from that. And it turns out that Nashville actually has a very, very strong rock scene. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I'm well connected here, but like most of the 80s rockers live here. I'm friends with a lot of them. Uh, cool. And there's a lot of rock things that go on here and stuff. So, you know, it really got me back into where my heart is, which is, you know, hard rock music. So, yeah. um, you know, I actually was in an Alice Cooper tribute band for for a short time. All that oh, kind cool. of fizzled out. It was a lot of fun because I love Alice. I'm a big Alice fan. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that kind of, you know, uh, uh, fizzled out and was just doing like fill in gigs with other artists and stuff here and uh, uh, found the, the singer and in, in our band Power Slave. Um, and, you know, I just said, dude, you know, we got we got to do it. A maiden tribute. And uh, so. Now, you said that I'm trying to remember if you said this, did you say that the guy who sings in your band now is Harry? the guy who was wearing the killers button? No, 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 no. No, no, today, yeah, yeah. The guy who's wearing the kills, but that was my friend Bud. He was a singer in my band way back, like in high oh, school. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. going because when you yeah. said that, I was like, wow, that's a long time to know somebody. And yeah, that, yeah, okay, okay. No, I've only known Terry, our, our singer and power slave, um, you know, a, a couple years, and I actually met him because he was playing in another I, local Iron Maiden tribute band called Iron Tribe, where they they what they kind of do is just uh, get together, you know, once every few months and have different friends get up and play a bunch of Maiden songs. So it's not like a full, you know, a set band. They just kind of rotate different people for different songs and stuff. But uh, they were doing a show the night before an Iron Maiden show here. And uh, <clears throat> they opened with Where Eagles There. And uh, I mean, the first words out of his mouth when he started singing, my jaw hit the floor and went to China. <laughs> and I was like, I won't I won't use these expletives, but I was holy. You know what? Yeah, 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 exactly. What has this guy been all my life? I mean. I was just like, wow. So, you know, I, cause he sounded so much like Bruce and I, and I just, you know, when I'm talking to him, I said, dude, we, we, we got to do something. We got to do this. And we tried to put it together for a while. And, and the thing is, you know, I wanted to make sure before we pursued this, you know, even though, you know, obviously you got to have a great bass player to do Steve Harris's parts, sure. a lot of great bass players in Nashville. You know, my concern was finding another guitar player because I, we got to be able to play together. It's not just, you know, doing the parts, but we got to gel well, you know, playing sure. wise. Sure. And as many guitar players as there are in Nashville, I just couldn't find anyone who was either interested, had the time or wanted to commit to something like that. Yeah. They were all doing their own projects or whatever. So it kind of, you know, the idea fizzled out. We were always talking about it, but it never mounted. And then uh, finally, he just posted something on Facebook. And that's when um, uh, our bass player, Mark, and uh, the drummer we we used to have, you know, an answer. And I said, well, we got everyone except another guitar player. Let's just start rehearsing and see what happens. And, you know, then we can find another guitar player. And, and uh, right. so. Okay, that's so how long have you how long have you been in Nashville? What when, when did you move there? Uh, I moved in two thousand eight, so I've been almost okay. fifteen years. Yeah, yeah, I know it's a um, <clears throat> it, it had the reputation way back when for being country music uh, town, but yeah, it, it definitely has a reputation now for being what you said. It's got a lot of a lot of rock people that live there, and oh yeah, yeah, it, it will always be the home for country music. But country music really only makes up about sixty percent of the music in Nashville. There's so much more. There's a lot of you know indie, alternative, Americana. Now there's a lot more pop and stuff. Uh, but there's mm -hmm. definitely you know a, a tight knit you know rock community here, and you know everybody kind of knows everybody in it. So it's a little bit more underground. So you got to kind of search it out. But once you get in that community, you're always aware of what's going on and stuff. So okay, okay, so. How long back did you start the band you're in, Power Slave? How long how long have y'all been uh, together? July this year will be two years. I always two years. I always have to think because we lost a year last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, so too. yeah, we, we our first rehearsal was like in June or July of uh, uh 2019. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. And, and then our first show was uh February of 2020. Oh, uh, wow. that was our first show. And then we had another show scheduled. We were going to be uh, playing with Thunderstruck, the ACDC tribute band. 
And uh, the venue we were going to be played got demolished by a tornado that came through. Oh. And so then we were talking about maybe rescheduling. And then that's when COVID hit and everything else shut down. So, golly. Yeah. yeah so, January 5th, uh, you know, a month or so ago, you know, a couple months, that was our first show since February of last year. We played here in Nashville and then we did Huntsville last night. So, fortunately, things are opening back up a little bit. So, we've got some other shows coming. Cool, man. I, I, I hope y'all make your way to Dallas because I, I've always said, like, I've only seen the Iron Maidens is the only band I've ever seen you know, playing Maiden songs outside of seeing Maiden. And and I always say, there's only going to be so many times that you're going to go somewhere and hear people playing, you know, a, a full set of Iron Maiden music. Right, right, it, yeah. It's, what, what, yeah, what, I, was say, I mean, we, we, no, you know, we definitely are, are in talks with trying to play it in, in the Dallas, Texas area and, and around there, too. Um, our bass player lived there for a long time, so um, he's oh, got cool. some connections and stuff. And uh, someone actually, excuse me, just reached out to us about playing in that area so yeah it's very very likely we'll end up coming down that way oh man that'll be awesome that'll be awesome uh you have to definitely let me know about that yeah yeah so what what type of um what is yours i i don't know how much you want to say or give away but what is y'all's song selection like what what are you are you playing the hits? Are you playing deep uh, yeah, cuts? We, yeah, we're, we're, we're not doing too many deep cuts because you just lose some people. I mean, yes, you get those diehards that go, oh my God, I can't believe they played that one, you know, which is awesome. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, don't know some of the, you know, the deeper cuts and stuff. But um, yeah, we, I mean, we play, you know, most of the popular ones. But, you know, again, with a band like Maiden, I mean, God, there's so many great songs. You know, we were just yeah. talking about adding, you know, like four or five other, you know, ones and stuff. And it's always like, well, what about this one? What about this one? Yeah, there's so many we could add. Sure. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're going to rotate some things in and out and stuff, um, you know, with, with, with the songs, but, uh, you know, we do a few from Diano for sure. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, most of it is up through uh power slave, although we do, uh, the clairvoyant, we do fear of the dark. Okay. So those are probably the, the more recent ones we're talking about adding the wicker man. Um, okay. so yeah, we'll probably do that. Maybe the evil men do. We talked about that one. Uh, we're probably definitely oh, going to have yeah. that child. Um, so, but you know, like a couple of guys, you were talking about doing like, you know, brave new world, but I'm kind of concerned about that because I think it's going to lose a lot of the audience when we do that, because, you know, the intro is so long and slow and, you know, it's not really that well-known of a tune, um, sure. you know, so, I mean, we, that's when we might have to just try and see how it you know goes over with the audience. But, but that's the thing, like, you know, we, we kind of had talked about doing rhyme of the ancient mariner, but you know, you, again, you have that long, oh, wow. slow section in there, you know, which again, you're going to lose a lot of people. That's when they're going to go to the bathroom. And <laughs> if you don't do that part, then the diehards like, well, they didn't do that whole, you know, the whole thing. And then yeah. the other problem is, you know, in the time we could do rhyme of the ancient mariner, we could learn three other songs. Right. So, you that's, know, that's, that's the yeah. kind of thing you weigh out. Yeah. That's um, I've seen the iron maidens and each I've seen them twice. And uh, both times they did kind of a rare song. One time they did, uh, Alexander the Great, which was really cool. Oh yeah, yeah. And and then one time they did Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. And when they and on and I'll be honest, I mean I know it's a great song. There's no doubt about it. But when they played it, I just remember thinking, okay, cool. I mean I like it. I'm going to sing along with it. I'm going to enjoy it. But I was think I would much rather hear two or three other songs. Exactly, exactly. And that's kind of you know with the conclusion we came to. You know, it is a great song. You know, and I'd love to play it. But that's exactly it. We could throw in two or three other songs. You know, in the same time span and stuff. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's kind of, you know, kind of what you run into, but you know, there's a few things, you know, we, we, you know, we've talked about maybe doing Phantom of the Opera, which I would absolutely love. Cause that's yeah. my favorite songs of theirs. And you know, that's more of a, a deep cut, but yeah, but that one doesn't have any, you know, really like drug out parts, you know? So sure. That sure. Probably, yeah. Now 
in in any in any band that covers Maiden, there's a guy that does Dave Murray. There's a guy that does Adrian Smith. Which uh, whose parts are you playing? I, I'm exclusively Dave Murray. Uh, we I've seen you know some other like Iron Maiden tribute bands, and they they cross over a lot. And that's one of the things we decided we wanted to be you know exclusive to the parts uh, to try to be as as dead on as possible. So I'm okay. exclusively Dave Murray. Um, which is interesting because actually stylistically I play more like Adrian Smith. That's what I was uh, about to ask you. Yeah. But, but I, I think I, I, I'm the Dave Murray guy because I have the Fender Strat. <laughs> okay. 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 Uh, but it's been really cool. I mean, you know, it, it's funny because I've got a whole new appreciation for, I, mean, I always thought Dave was a great guitar player. Don't get me wrong. They both are. Uh, but I have a whole new appreciation for him playing his parts. And it's actually cool because it, it's changed. I wouldn't say it's changed my style, but obviously I have to play differently when I'm doing, you know, those songs and stuff. Uh, and it's really cool because it is a, a neat challenge because he's so legato like he doesn't do as much picking. He does a lot of hammer ons and pull offs and is very, very fluid. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I've really, really enjoyed working out his parts, which is also kind of funny because most bands that I've been in when I've done cover songs with rare exception, I usually would just improvise most of the guitar solos, okay. uh, you know, with the exception of something like Crazy Train. That's pretty signature or something like that, where you kind of have to do it like that. Yeah. Um, you know, even that I would only be about 80, 85 percent dead on. But with the Maiden stuff, I mean, you know, I've really had to sit down and, and you know, work it out and you know, really rehearse it because we want to be as spot on as possible. That's one of the things, you know, we again, we decide is that if we're going to do this. We want to do it right. We want to be as spot on with everything as, you know, as, as we can. So. Sure, sure. Um, so obviously, if you're if you're playing Dave Murray in the band, the, the obvious question is, are you always smiling? <laughs> no you know it's funny because that was one thing i thought about you know i tried when we first started doing i tried to kind of you know mimic you know dave's moves and, and yeah. stuff like that and uh uh you know the thing is you know we don't really look like the guys in made you know what i mean sure, and sure. That, that, that's great when you got a tribute band where those pieces fall into place but i mean you know what are the odds you know finding right, right. five guys that can play this stuff want to play this stuff and look the part you know and that's true <laughs> yeah. with any any tribute band so so we decided you know we weren't really going to try to you know uh, replicate them, you know? Uh, and it is cool because, you know, I mean, you, know, Dave does have, some, there's a few signature moves I do, and that's just part of playing, you know, where he does the, the, the big arm, you know, movement when he strums or picks a note and then, yeah. you know, holds the guitar when he bends a string and stuff. But a lot of guitar players do those things too. Uh, it's just, those are things that kind of feel natural when you're playing. Right. Um, and we, you know, we kind of sort of dress the part a little bit. Again, we're not trying to be them, Sure. Uh, you know, we're just trying to sound as much like them as possible. Uh, but we, you know, we kind of do pay homage to, you know, their attire and, 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 you know, image and stuff like that. So, um, you know, we're not going to come out, you know, dressed like Guar or something like that, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, but you know, but as far as like the stage presence thing, you know, I definitely, you know, move differently than he does. And that's part of the reason was, was because I, I, when I was trying to mimic him, I felt restrained. Because yeah. like when I'm on stage rocking out, I mean, I'm on stage rocking out. I just get excited and into it and, you know, yeah. want to get in the audience's faces and, and, and I just love doing that. And, you know, Dave Murray's not quite like that. He kind of stands back a little bit. Uh, you know, oh, he's, yeah. not like, yeah. he's not like running around like Steve Harris is and stuff. So, right. you know, so I'd say, so I'd say, uh, uh, you know, image wise on stage, I'm more like Steve Harris, <laughs> you know, yeah. running around and getting up on the monitors and, and stuff like that. And especially last night, it was an outdoor thing. And I was able to really, really kind of get in people's faces. And there was a plank along the side that I was able to walk on and kind of like be out in the audience, which was cool. Oh, cool. That's wireless. cool. So, but no, yeah, I, so we, we decided just to, you know, focus on the, the sound mostly yeah. you know, again just pay homage to the to the image but not try to replicate them as individuals well and that's the important part as a 
if if you go in really any band, you I mean, obviously if it's a kiss cover band kind of thing where they dress up and they have the makeup on and everything, that's a little different, but right. you want to hear the songs the way you want to hear the, you know, the way you know the songs and, you know, right. obviously given a live setting, it's a little bit different just because it's live. It's not, it's, it's like they used to say, it's not, is it live or is it Memorex? You know, you don't want right. to hear it. You're right. not going to get Memorex. You're going to get live, but, but yeah, you want to hear right. it close. You don't want to hear like what Vinnie Vincent did to Ace Fraley solos all those times. Right. But right. um, yeah, but the, the smile, I just, it always, he is so renowned and, and kind of like I've got a, a calendar across the room for me right now. And Dave Murray's playing oddly enough, he's playing a Les Paul, but he's got just this huge smile on his face yeah. while he's in the middle of whatever he's doing. Yeah. So um, I did do a lot of smiling last night because we had a lot of technical problems. So it was one of those things you just kind of had to laugh about. So yeah. yeah, there were a lot of technical issues last night with the equipment. Gotcha. So, so, so here's a question outside of, um, of maiden just music wise per se as a, as a professional musician, uh, someone who makes a living doing being a musician, how 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 has it been the last little over a year now? Horrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean it has. Uh, you know, I fortunately I, I teach guitar lessons, and so I do a lot of online teaching. So that has definitely you know helped. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean it's been. You know, the, 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 I think the biggest. Well, I mean obviously the financial thing. That that's the obvious thing. You know, because nobody was making money because there weren't shows. But you know, fortunately for us we didn't have the, uh, the low morale issues that a lot of musicians have been going through. I've seen so many bands break up and fall apart through this. And yeah. I, I know musicians say, man, I haven't played my guitar in months, you know, and stuff. And, and I get it, you know, because it was very aggravating and frustrating and, you know, lack of motivation because you don't see a, a reason to even do it. But one right. thing that we did, was we, we told ourselves that we were not going to let that happen to us. We kept rehearsing. We actually uh, worked in a new drummer. Uh, we tightened up some things. We added greatly to our production, uh, cool. throughout the process last night was the first night we had merch we had a lot of merch and sold really well last night we almost sold out we actually sold out of a few things and stuff so nice. uh you know we got that all together so we made sure that we were still active you know we weren't rehearsing like every week like we had been but you know every other week or every couple weeks or whatever and um stuff so we made sure that we yeah we were just you know staying active as possible to kind of keep morale up and it worked great uh you know everybody was uh you know still really excited and we just knew it was just a waiting game and you know now we got the show last night we got another one in a couple uh, we're playing louisville kentucky on april 24th uh we're back in uh birmingham alabama we'll be playing uh, in july and hopefully some other things will come up between now and then and there's talks about other shows so things are starting to kind of go back so i'm glad that we you know, we stuck it out and we just kind of each had, we had each other's backs through a lot of it too, which was, was good. Um, you know, just to keep the, the morale up and stuff. So. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, if people want to find out about your band, do you have, do where, where can they find you online as far as websites and things like yeah, that? Sure. Yeah. Website, uh, powerslaveband.com, okay. uh, on Instagram, we're powerslaveband. uh, on Facebook, we're powerslaveband.usa. Um, and we're pretty active on the on the Facebook page, uh, Instagram as well. Uh, there's a Twitter one. It's Power Slave B because we couldn't put the rest of the, the word band in there. Uh, um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, if you go to our website, powerslaveband.com, uh, there's uh, videos that we've got on my personal YouTube channel that are linked there. Uh, there's you know our bio, photos. You can contact us, sign up for our mailing list if you want to keep in you know in the loop about shows and stuff. Uh, you can also buy. Uh, right now, we've just got the shirts up on the website. Uh, but if you buy a shirt, they are free shipping in the U.S. Uh, oh, cool. And they're pretty affordably priced. Uh, but I'll be adding some of the other merch items to uh, to the online store, too, because we literally just revamped our website within the last two weeks. So, um, yeah. 
totally, totally redid it. So, so that's the best, you know, way is, is either the website or the Facebook group, you know, definitely follow us on Facebook because we're always posting about shows and, uh, you know, I do some Facebook lives on there once in a while and stuff. So, okay. Okay. Now to, to get back to maiden real quick here, as yeah, far as, sure. um, because you're a guitar player, I, I normally wouldn't ask anybody this question, but because you're a guitar player, well, what's your favorite Iron Maiden guitar solo? Or is there, is it, is it, can you choose one? Oh, that's a good question. Um, wow. I don't know. You know, I, I really like playing the one in the clairvoyant, which is funny because when I first started learning, it didn't really do anything for me. Um, <laughs> and then when I, you know, really kind of dug in and started learning the phrasing and stuff, that, that's a really, really cool one. I like, um, I also like, uh, the one in uh, Run to the Hills, uh, because I, I kind of like, fr- I don't want to say I freeform it because I stay, you know, pretty close to Dave, but, but I, I add a little bit of my own touch, but it still works. You know, it's not yeah. getting too far removed. Cause I mean, honestly, if you listen to how Dave does his solos now, a lot of them are very different than the record. Right. Um, you know, I mean, I like them all, you know, Ace is high is a fun one to do. How would be thy name? Um, you know, I, I like doing a, the one in two minutes to midnight because there's a harmony guitar part on, on two parts. And I throw that harmony in with a harmonizer pedal. Oh, um, cool. So, you know, that's what I mean. We, we really tried to add things that were missing, you know, from a lot of other bands when you only got two guitars. Um, so, you know, we, we did what we could, you know, with some some technology in there to to spice it up. Um, you know, it's pretty cool because I never really had a wah-wah pedal till I started doing this, you know, because I had to get one because <laughs> he uses it on a couple songs and stuff. And that's kind of cool. Um but yeah, I mean, you know, I really, really enjoy all of them. I, I like the one we, we with Revelations, Die With Your Boots On. I mean, yeah, yeah I really am enjoying playing Dave's parts quite a bit. So I'm actually glad that I, you know, nothing against Adrian, but I'm glad I'm doing, you know, Dave's parts as, as opposed to Adrian's because I okay. enjoy him so much. So now I, I have a, yesterday I was talking to two friends of mine that are both guitar players. So how would you, and we were trying to, I was trying to describe to one of them who's not a big Maiden fan. I was trying to describe Dave Murray's style of playing because Adrian is, is pretty almost like he, he writes his solos out. He it's very meticulously done. Yeah. Whereas the way I describe Dave's soloing is, and the way I've heard it, I think is he, he knows where he wants to start and he knows where he wants to finish. And kind of the middle is the, is the, is what else happens. So how, how would you describe Dave Murray's guitar soloing? Well, yeah, it's, it's very legato, which is, is a musical term for smooth and flowing, meaning not attack. You know, he's not as, he's not picking the notes as much as like Adrian does. Okay. Uh, Adrian also does some of the Eddie Van Halen, like two end tapping and, and Dave Murray. Uh, I think Murray does that a little bit, but not, not any of the songs that we're doing um, okay. currently. But uh, yeah, it's just very, very smooth and flowing, you know, still melodic, but yeah, just very fluid. I mean, if I had to pick one word, fluid would be, you know, the, the word I would pick for Dave okay. Murray, which is again, is why. I enjoy doing it uh, so much. Cool. Cool. Okay. I got uh, two last questions here for you. What, what is your favorite Iron Maiden song? If you can name one. Ace Ace is high. Yes. Yeah. Followed closely by the trooper. Um, Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, Ace high from the moment, you know, it it starts with that, you know, intro thing and then kicks in. I mean, it's just, you know, in your face melting, you know, and it just, yeah, just, you know, comes, kicks your butt and, you know, leaves and uh you know and then the trooper i mean that's just so iconic i mean hallowed be thy name is up there though too that's you know those are definitely i'd say my top three it's hard to pick one <laughs> i think yeah. i have a hard time ace with it high, ace high would be my number one yeah awesome. yeah that's one of those songs i mean i just can't listen to and not turn up the volume and really start banging my head <laughs> yeah exactly exactly uh, and last thing i'll ask you here is what is your favorite iron maiden album 
<laughs> it's tough, probably, man. Probably peace of mind. I okay. had to think on that. I had to think on that. I would say probably peace of mind. Um, because the trooper where Eagles there, Flight of Icarus, Revelations, Die with Your Boots. I mean, there's so many great songs to Tame a Land, which actually I was in a band a long time ago. We weren't an Iron Maiden tribute band, but we did seven Iron Maiden songs. We did to Tame a Land. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. I told Steve Harris that he goes, Oh, that's one you don't hear often. Yeah. Um <laughs> but uh uh yeah, probably I, I don't know, Power Slave is a great album though, too. I mean yeah, that's what I mean. You know, they, they just kept getting better and better, it seemed like. And and the only reason I don't pick Number of the Beast is, you know, How Be Thy Name is so phenomenal. And so is like 22 Akeisha Avenue and, you know, a lot of the other songs on there. Uh, yeah. It's just, I'm, uh, you know, Number of the Beast and Run of the Hills are great songs, but they're a little overdone. So, yeah, I agree. Agreed. You know, I just kind of over those two songs. As a matter of fact, when we first started doing this, I probably didn't even want to play Run of the Hills. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of one of those things you kind of have to. So, um, right. But, uh, yeah, but, you know, I love the first album. I, I love the rawness of the first album and, you know, the songs on that, too. Um, so, yeah, it's really hard. But I would probably have to say Peace of Mind um, if I had to pick one with Power Slave being a really, really close second. But yeah, Somewhere yeah. Time's a great album, too. I mean, you yeah. know, there's so many. Uh, and the other reason I say uh, Peace of Mind is because it's funny. Years ago, I had a car with a cassette deck in it. And I uh, had recorded the album on a, on a cassette. And, you know, I've recorded one side of the album on one side of the cassette and the other side on the other. And it was one of those um, tape machines in the car where you didn't have to flip the tape over or, or pull or pull the tape out. I mean, you yeah, know, yeah. To, uh, to do it, it just automatically switch sides. And that tape got stuck in there for six months. So for six months, all I could listen <laughs> to in my car was peace of mind. So you think I'd be burned out on it, but I'm not. Yeah. So that must, you know, that says that it must be, you know, a fantastic album. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, hey, Chris, I got to say, man, it, it's been a blast talking to you awesome. and um, I really appreciate your time because I know sure. you played. I know you played last night and yeah, <laughs> um, but thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks and for thanks for yeah, having me. And um, if any of your other guys want to come on and, and tell their stories. Sure. Let them, let them know to get, let them know to, uh, well, you know how to get in touch with me. So, yep, yep, yep. I'm sure singer Terry would love to. Awesome, man. Well, hey, take care and I'll uh, talk to you later. Okay. Sounds good, man. Thanks, Steve. All right, you yes, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. All right. Well, there you have it. I hope that you enjoyed hearing Chris's story as much as I did. You know, you think these conversations are fun to listen to, but I tell you, they are even more fun to have. I did an episode recently where I had Matt on with Andrew and James. We did the Iron Maiden covers episodes and he had not actually, you know, ever spoke to anybody else like I had. And, and, um, anyway, Matt hadn't, and neither had James or Andrew. They hadn't spoke to one another, but as soon as the episode was over, I got a message from Matt and he was just like, dude, that was incredible. I, I, I think it was just being in, in a conversation with multiple people that was, and I said, dude, do you think it's fun to, do you think that was fun? I said, that's how I feel at the end of every conversation I have just about. So Anyways, on behalf of myself, from Chris, from Iron Maiden, from Eddie, and from the book. Wait a second. If you hang around a little extra, I've got a treat for you. You're going to hear Chris's band Power Slave doing an Iron Maiden song that everybody loves. And with that... 
Some things in life are bad They can really make you mad Other things just make you swear and curse When you're chewing on life's gristle That grumble, give a whistle And this'll help things turn out for the best And always look on the bright side of life Always look on the light side of life If life seems jolly rotten There's something you've forgotten And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing When you're feeling in the dumps Don't be silly chumps Just purse your lips and whistle That's the thing Always look on the bright side of life Must always face the curtain with a bow. Forget about your seat, give the audience a grin. Enjoy it, it's your last chance, anyhow. So always look on the bright side of death. Just before you draw your terminal breath.
ぞ。